Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. It's been a couple of months since I have recorded on the Tom Green Podcast side of my sports spectrum. Of course, for the fans of the Huron Daily Tribune, I've done the Huron Tribune Sports Podcast. We kind of put that on hiatus just a little bit because of districts and then spring season coming up. But nonetheless, I am still recording in one way or the other. So with that said... We kind of combine a little bit of the thumb aspect for this podcast, but believe me, we will be talking some NCAA hoops. We brought in Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, not Kramer Junior High Basketball, back at Essexville Schools. Steve Kramer Basketball, I interviewed him for the Tribune, and now it's his turn to go on the Tom Green Podcast. I usually say coach, but Mr. Kramer, welcome to the show. Well, most people call me coach, even though I don't have a, have a team, I'm Coach Plenty. But uh, thanks for having me on the show. This is, this is fun. You know, you do a great job. I appreciate your work. I appreciate you supporting thumb coaches and thumb athletes and uh, being able to follow you quite a bit uh, the past few months uh, throughout the thumb area of basketball season, cheering on a lot of teams that I get a chance to train and work with and the coach that I get to work with throughout the year. So this is going to be fun. Absolutely, and I have a lot of fun covering, as you have seen, and the the kids the kids like it, the coaches like it. It's a lot of fun. So for those that um, are Tom Green podcast listeners and have not uh, heard about you or know of you, tell the tell the Tom Green podcast first about yourself. Sure, sure. So I'll make this I'll make this real fast because I want to I want to bore anybody. But I uh, went to Unionville Seawing Area High School, small rural school in the in the thumb area of Michigan and I loved basketball my whole life and when I say rural like I mean I was on a dirt road there was a, a woods across the street we had a 15 by 20 concrete slab had the hoop up above my house and if it was rain winter sleep snow I'm shoveling the driveway I was wearing gloves getting my shots up getting sunburned uh during during the summer just fell in love with the game of basketball and, and working on my game that was that was a big passion of mine not just playing but the practice area I loved and I always wanted to be a teacher and a high school basketball coach that's what I got my degree in but was fortunate enough to play basketball at the college level at Hope College was fortunate enough to play professionally overseas in a handful of countries and uh, I had the chance to coach some high school basketball overseas coach some high school basketball in Michigan and Ohio and after a couple of years in the educational system um, I decided to take uh, go go on a limb a little bit and put my faith in God and say hey, I want to start my own bit my own business and even though I didn't have a background in business I had a background in education and I've been full-time in player development since 2014 and uh, with that, we get to run camps and clinics, which you, you've seen firsthand, Tom, some that, some that we've right. run uh, with players of all levels, mostly with high school athletes. But throughout the course of the year, we do some junior high, even some elementary, uh, and get the chance to consult with coaches through some of our online uh, workshops, through our website, coachesedge.coach. And uh, we also have a, a podcast for coaches called Coaches Edge for any of our listeners that are also you know really into basketball, want to learn more about the game. Uh, they can check that out as well. So. We've been doing that. We get to work with uh, players and coaches around the country, uh, but I'm always fired up when I get back to my home area of Michigan and get to work with athletes there. Oh, yes, and uh, I, I like Steve had said, I've, I had done an article on Steve Kramer and his Kramer basketball camp, which I will repost to the Tom Green podcast site uh, once this podcast gets out. So for those that have not seen that, they can, of course, enjoy uh, reading that article that I had done over Christmas break. So nonetheless, um, as for the thumb, we're out of thumb teams, but as for the state of Michigan and for the NCAA, 
At this point, we are down to 66 teams. We'll be down to 64 before most people will uh, watch slash listen to this show. And it's called March Madness, the NCAA tournament. Yours truly will probably be enjoying a couple of Guinnesses and Baileys on St. Patrick's Day tomorrow as Michigan hopefully beats uh, Colorado State. Nonetheless, we got a bracket of 64 teams. So um, what's your first impression of this uh, NCAA tournament bracket, Coach? Yeah, so so first impressions. I mean, I I don't have I know everybody gets really fired up about like the first four in, the first four out. Um, here, here's my thing. If I had one thing to say to the committee when they do their their selection, is I think if you are the last four in, meaning you're the you're not an automatic bid, meaning you won your tournament, but you're an at large bid. You were you were voted in, right? If you are in that group of four. I think you should be the ones that do the playing. I don't think that if you've gone through and you've won your league tournament, that you should have to play in the round of 68. I think you should be automatically in the round of 64. I, I just think that that should be kind of the reward for winning your league. And we've expanded it from 64 to 68. If you're going to be those those last four in, I think you guys should have to, to fight it out, make those the, the games that end up putting you into the round of 64. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't have a, a whole lot of complaints. I mean, we, we could dig into, you know, the Notre Dame and the Indiana and even Michigan and, and some things like that. But for the most part, uh, I'm not too, you know, concerned or tied up in any of those things. Um, I am intrigued uh, about the Big Ten this year. I mean, they got nine teams in the most uh, of any conference. And so I'm curious to see if the Big Ten is going to show up because we got a lot of teams in the tournament and I'd love to see the Big Ten do well. But last year we got a lot of teams in and they didn't perform that well. So we'll see what happens. The Big Ten usually gets the most teams in, but of course the most teams out because the Big Ten just beats up on each other. It's almost like if you've seen a picture of gladiators fighting in the Roman Coliseum in the 1500s. That is pretty much Big Ten basketball described by yours truly. And at least for me, I kind of see more of the same. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I will be a bit contradictory to your point of uh, the last four in, and here's why. The, uh, it, the first four right now, it kind of does supplement what you're saying. The last four teams that get in and the at-large are playing each other in the, in the first four. This year it's Wyoming and Indiana, which Indiana has won. Rutgers and Notre Dame, which I have picked Rutgers to win that game, but we shall see how that goes. But at least for the automatic teams that get in. And here's my reasoning why I uh, contradict your point, and here's why. When you are a one-bid league and you're automatically in, who are you going to face? Like this, like this year, Georgia State's facing mighty Gonzaga. Uh, Norfolk State is facing the, the defending national champions, Baylor. Texas Southern is facing Kansas. What is the probability of any of those teams winning that first game? Nearly zero, Tom. Nearly zero. And my reasoning for this first four being the way it is, is... Texas A&M Corpus Christi playing Texas Southern. Texas Southern won that game. Sure, A&M Corpus Christi is being screwed out of a round of 64 um, bracketed first round game, but Texas Southern, they could lose by 80 to Kansas. They could beat Kansas. 
Either way, they can still say years later when they have kids and move on with their lives, they can say, hey, I won an NCAA tournament game. The same thing with Wright State and Bryant. Hey, guys, I won an NCAA tournament game. Peter Kiss, who is amazing, by the way, has the opportunity to say, hey, I won an NCAA tournament game, rather than Georgia State facing mighty Gonzaga. Like you had said, nearly zero shot that that, that, that happens. In fact, I have a $25 bet on Gonzaga, boosted on DraftKings to plus 100, so I'm banking on Gonzaga to at least win by a point in that game so I get 50 bucks. But nonetheless, my point is, with these first four, if it goes to one-bid leagues, they have the chance of saying, we won an NCAA tournament game. But I totally understand your point, and that is, should those last four teams even be in, let them play each other and see what happens. Yeah, and that's kind of where I come from, and I definitely understand your point. Cool to win uh, an NCAA tournament game, uh, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, re Regardless, those teams that, that come in, Make them battle it out a little bit just because they were so close to not being in if we were still at 64. You know, Georgia State, if it was at 64, Georgia State would still be in the, in the NCAA tournament, right? right? Um, but the point that you make is a good one. And, you know, I would be curious to see what the, like, if you did, if you pulled all the Division One coaches, see what they would pick. Or all, like, the mid-major and below Division One coaches, if they had to choose, hey, you automatically get in the round of 64, or, okay, you, you might be able to get into that play-in game, get a chance to win that game, obviously a lot better than if you're playing a one seed, what they would pick. I'd be, I'd be very curious. That would be a good poll to make and see what, what happens with the mid-majors. But, but lo and behold, Steve and I have just done what um, many, many of politicians in the United States are unable to do, come to a compromise on a point that we disagree on. There we go. We're better off than a lot of politicians. <laughs> hey, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, moving to um, the round of 64, I guess, it would be too tedious to pick every single game, so I'm sure you have your bracket out. I have mine out. Uh, what are a few of the upsets that you have picked in this first round? So I, I don't have a ton of upsets, and so for, for our listeners here, probably just do the opposite of what I say and you'll be in good shape because I probably <laughs> haven't had a really good bracket since like high school, you know, like half my life ago. Steve uh, Kramer basically. or Steve Costanza? Whatever I tell you to do, <laughs> do the opposite. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... So here, here's the thing. I, I don't pick, uh, I generally, or I don't, I didn't pick a whole lot of upsets in the, in the first round. In fact, I was looking at my bracket and seeing very few double digit seeds that I have winning. So I'll go through the double digit seeds, uh, that I have winning, winning their first round, first round game. Um, and then we kind of go from there in the, in the West region, I don't have any double digit seeds reaching the next round, which is uh, probably a mistake, but that, that's the way I got it. If you go to the East, uh, I got Virginia Tech as the only double-digit seed. That's the number 11, knocking out Texas. Um, yeah, Beard's kind of first year there after he left Texas Tech. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't know, I just, I just feel like they might have a, have a little upset on their hands there. I think the ACC is maybe a little bit underrated this year. I don't know, just kind of a feeling in my, in my mind. Um, if you talk in, talk in the South, I have Loyola Chicago 
Shout out to Coach Coach Valentine, uh, Loyola Chicago. They're they're still strong. They nearly beat Michigan State this year, and, and just a a really solid team. I got them advancing uh, to the next round. And then if we go down into uh, the Midwest bracket, I got South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, baby. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time they won their first round uh, game. That's a 13 seed. That's the lowest seed that I have uh, advancing to the next round. And then I have Miami beating USC uh, as a 10 beating a seven, which isn't really an upset if you talk, but uh, that's, that's a double digit seed. So how about yourself? Sure. So um, I have a few more upsets than that, but the West, the West was very hard to pick an upset, but indeed I came up with a couple of them. Mm. New Mexico State has run through the Western Athletic Conference. UConn has been an up and down team despite the 23 and 9 record. I have New Mexico State beating UConn. Vermont at the beginning of December they were 5 and 4 if I'm not mistaking. They've lost one game since. I have Vermont beating Arkansas. Plus, Arkansas was rattled by Colgate in the first round last year in the SEC. In the NCAA tournament, that is. Uh, in the East, I have the same upset that you have, Virginia Tech over Texas, and that's because you have a hot team at the right time in the Hokies. Mm -hmm. And Chris Beard's it's only Chris Beard's first year. Yes, his defense has made the title game with Texas Tech, and frankly could very well have won said title game over Virginia back in 2019. But uh, I have Virginia Tech beating Texas. Uh, let's go in the south. Um, it's not really, it's technically an upset, but not really an upset. Michigan over Colorado State, as the last I checked, Michigan was actually a two-point favorite over Colorado <laughs> State. Uh, and I also have uh, most Michigan faithfuls uh, upset pick. Uh, Loyola, Chicago over Ohio State. Not only because of um, Drew Valentine, but because, and I put this in the column that's coming out, most of that team under coach Porter Mosier came back this year. Not only because of the COVID extension, but because they liked Coach Valentine. They wanted to play for Coach Valentine, and this is their reward for playing for Coach Valentine is going to the NCAA tournament and, in both of our opinions, winning a game in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. in, like in the Midwest, um, I do have both Iowa and Providence advancing, but I, I do think that South Dakota State could very well pull that upset, even though they don't have Nate Walters. He graduated like five years ago. South Dakota State has had a very similar track record to Vermont this year and yes, not really having lost teams, much. I think of those two teams very, you know, like when I hear Vermont and mm -hmm. South Dakota State, I, I'm like, I even get it mixed up. I mean, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and yeah, both really not have lost a combined total of two times, I think, since December. Plus, Providence is always that team. Yes, they won the Big East outright, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make a run, and uh, that could happen. And I think an obvious upset, because of the coaching situation in uh, Baton Rouge, Iowa State over LSU. Mm. Think about it. You, you play the entire year for Coach Will Wade. Yes, he had the uh, allegations among him, and all the players knew it. But how about losing your coach right before the biggest games of the season 
and uh, really, who knows what sense of direction this uh, Tiger team has. So I have mm-hmm. Iowa State beating LSU, and uh, as far as first-round upsets, that's what I got uh, right now. Um, so the ones I picked, plus possibly South Dakota State over Providence, and possibly Indiana over St. Mary's, depending on what Trace mm-hmm. Jackson Davis shows up Thursday. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a good one. I could see that happening. And, you know, if I could redo my bracket again, what you mentioned with the LSU is is probably the one tweak that I would make is uh, picking them uh, to, to lose. That's kind of the negative of filling out the bracket early and not paying a whole lot of attention to everything that's that's been going on. But uh, this is good. I'm, all right, so we went through the first round, talked about all the, all the upsets. Yeah. Actually, I have one more to add real fast, and I forgot yeah, about mentioning it. it. And this one is one that's coming out of left field, but we always see this in the NCAA tournament. UAB over Houston. And the reason is, Houston, yes, is a dominant team and has been in the Final Four before. But if anyone heard the post-game interview after the Conference USA title game, the confidence and swagger that UAB had when they cut down the nets, I think is telling me something. And I think this could be the upset that happens, but nobody picks, is UAB over Houston. And, and Houston had a heck of a season last year, a really good team and program under Kelvin Sampson, but they're in that dangerous spot, that 5-12. And uh, it seems like every year there's one or two of those 5-12 upsets, and uh, that could very likely be mm-hmm. one of those uh, as well. I like it. So... Um, Anyway, yes, so we, so we talked about first-round upsets, and so um, any possible, or um, I guess what was your next point? You were going to mention your next point there. Well, I was just going to say, like, yeah. I think that when it comes to teams that make these runs, whether it's a team that, you know, is a high seed going in, or if there's more under the radar, mid-major, as you get into more and more games, you know, and you, you got one day in between games on, on these weekends, you know, you play a Thursday, Saturday, or a Friday, Sunday, the game slows down a little bit, right? And yeah. uh, the importance of having really good guard play becomes even more valuable. And so as, as we look in the tournament, I mean, this, this happens every single year, you'll see these teams that wind up making it to the Sweet 16, then the Elite Eight, and then the Final Four, and they all have perimeter players that are able to really handle the pressure, take and make tough shots, limit their turnovers, and play really solid team half-court defense. Because, you know, the, the farther you go into the tournament, you know, the better all, all these teams are, really. They're all playing their best basketball of the year. And when it comes to teams that are playing their best basketball, you're not going to see a whole lot of these, you know, this team won by 20. Everybody's a little more tightly, tightly packed. And so for the teams that are really able to say, okay, we're not blowing anybody out, do we have the ability to execute in the half court? It means we got really good guards and we have the ability to play really sound half court defense and, and rebound the basketball at a high level. You know, those, those are the teams in my mind when I'm trying to fill out a bracket, I'm trying to think of which teams have some of those things. Now with the COVID year and with, I think there being more parity in college basketball today, I think it makes it even harder than it's ever been to pick a really good bracket because we get so many of these mid-major type players that are really, really good. They generally are a little older and have a little more experience. And so their level seems to kind of come up against what may be more talented, 
but less experienced high profile programs. That's what happened last year with uh, Oral Roberts defeating mm-hmm. Ohio State as a 15 seed over a two. So the, that's the, anything can happen in this NCAA tournament. So uh, I guess uh, what's who perhaps could be a Cinderella team uh, that could make that Final Four run as a double-digit seed or above? So I don't have any team that's you know making it all the way to the to the Final Four going that far, uh, but I do have South Dakota State going all the way to the Sweet Sixteen. I got Loyola Chicago going all the way to the Sweet 16. And I know you're a Michigan fan. You know, I'm a Michigan State fan. And so I had a really hard time being a Michigan State fan this year. A really, really hard time. Because I would watch them play one time, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is an exciting team. And then I would watch them play the very next game and say, this is some of the ugliest basketball I've seen in a very, very long time. So you never know which Michigan State team is going to show up. Very, very frustrating uh, for for a, a Michigan State you know fan. Where usually at this time of year, there's quite a bit of consistency. So yep. if they lost their first game by like twenty, I would not be surprised. <laughs> if they beat Davidson, and if they upset Duke, I'd be a little more surprised. But I still wouldn't be that surprised if that happened. I got no idea what as the Michigan State fan, what what is going to happen. But because I'm a green and white guy, I had to pick them to at least go into the Sweet 16. So even though they're not a double-digit seed, even getting them to the Sweet 16, thinking that they very easily could lose their very first-round game, that was a stretch for me. And honestly, that's what usually messes up my bracket the most, Tom, (laughs) is that during the good Michigan State seasons, when they get like a two or a three seed, I'll pick them to win it all or go all the way to the final four. And yes, Tom Izzo's got a great track record, but most of the time that still doesn't happen. And then that's what ruins my bracket. Yes. And I, I tend to second that because despite my Michigan fandom, Michigan state has been that team in my bracket. And this seems this seems like the year that Michigan state has struggled down the stretch, but guess what happens when they struggle down the stretch and then approach March? They make this run out of nowhere that nobody expects. So if anyone's got Michigan State going Final Four, both of us, I, I would assume, don't, you might be right, despite having Gonzaga in their bracket. Of course, I had Michigan State going to the national title game when they lost to mid-10 in 2015. Oh, I Giddy had one pots. That was a heartbreak. That was a heartbreak. I mean, it just rained. It rained threes on Denzel Valentine, and I was I was like, this is their year. Yeah, we talked about having a good perimeter, you know, kind of guard, and uh, the, the, the three ball is the, the equalizer, man. You're hitting yep. threes on any given night. You can beat anybody. Giddy Potts, people people forgot until that game that Giddy Potts had a higher field goal three point percentage than Denzel Valentine and Bryn Forbes. So while I was uh, my reaction to that was just shock. Even as a Michigan fan who is not a state fan, <laughs> I was just shocked because I'm thinking, okay, this Giddy Potts is good, but Michigan State's got enough defense to beat that. They'll beat mid ten easy. Nope. Whole game I was thinking to myself. Okay, when's state going to take the lead? When's state going to take the lead? When's state going to take the lead? Five minutes left. Holy hell, they might not take the lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, I remember, like, that was that was one of those games where I remember exactly where I was. I mean, that, that, that was like a, 
that was one of those years where I thought for sure we're gonna we're gonna win it all. I'm curious, like what's what's your sweet 16 look like? Do you have any kind of higher than even like a five seed running Let's through? Let's see. My sweet 16, I have at least one um double digit seed going. And that's Vermont. I have Vermont playing New Mexico State in the round of 32, which automatically means one double-digit seed is going to the Sweet 16. As far as the rest of the bracket goes, actually, it's fairly chalk. Nobody above a 5 going Sweet 16, I guess. Let's see. Alabama. Okay, Alabama as a 6. So, okay, you have that. But uh, besides that, I really have chalk, quote-unquote. Um, nobody above a six, really, besides Vermont. Okay, yeah, so similar to me, I mean, the, the West region with Gonzaga in it, I have Alabama I have Alabama going all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, I have them beating Michigan State, so that's a 6-7 game right there. Um, I got chalk in the East region for the Sweet 16, uh, South pretty similar except I got Loyola Chicago going all the way to the sweet 16. I have them knocking off Villanova uh, in that, in that one. I think that could, that's going to be a really close game. Uh, and then I mentioned South Dakota before, I think they're going to go and beat Iowa. I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa lost to, to Richmond. Honestly, I, I just, I was good, well coached, disciplined team. Um, but the, I would not be surprised Richmond's playing their, their best basketball the spiders, baby. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. That win right there. So I got South Dakota as a 13 seed all the way to the Sweet 16. And then, as I mentioned already, if I could redo my bracket, I would take LSU out. But right now, I got LSU going all the way to the Sweet 16. We shall see what happens there. But at least as far as the rest of my Sweet 16, it's fairly chalk. Um, nothing huge except I got Vermont going Sweet 16. And you um, you had said perhaps Iowa loses to Richmond. Man, those spiders are experienced, and those spiders took out one of their own for the A-10 representatives in the NCAA tournament, and that was Dayton, according to the committee. They they really liked Dayton, and one of the more interesting uh, facets of this bracket was that Michigan was into the field of 64, while Indiana, who beat Michigan in the uh, Big Ten quarterfinal, which yours truly was a bit disgusted at that blown lead, ends up playing in the first four, winning the first four game, but still having to play in that first four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on how Michigan, you know, that they, they get this automatic bid in the round of 64, no play in, they made it. You know, what, what's your reasoning for that? Honestly, the reasoning I would have, and, and a lot of the committee has this, is the tougher non-conference schedule and mm-hmm. the fact that Michigan – Lost Jawan Howard for the last five games of the regular season on his own doing, but still managing to go three and two, defeating Michigan State and Ohio State. And Hunter Dickinson dropped 33 on Michigan State, which I think it was that performance that opened the committee's eyes and said, they're in. Yeah, that was a big that was a big win, no doubt. I think if you slap somebody in the head, automatic and you're on the bubble. No NCAA tournament. That's, I'm like, I'm half joking. <laughs> I'm, half, <laughs> I'm half joking. But like, if you're kind of on the bubble and you smacked another coach in the face, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be in a tournament. You you have a good point, but also Michigan did play well down the stretch with Phil Martelli. So they kind of, the team itself yeah. kind of played their way in. But again, 
we both we both we condemn what happened at uh, Madison at the end of that game for sure because you can't you can't just go in a handshake line and <laughs> swat at a guy like that <laughs> and expect that to be okay whether or not you're from the south side of Chicago it it doesn't matter you can't just swat at a guy at the end of the game for no real apparent reason maybe accept some choice words that I would never say on the air but nonetheless either way you can't just slap at a guy like that. It's it's yeah. uncalled for. It's unsportsmanlike, and it got a five game suspension for Jawan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what's your I guess what's your final four look like? And if you could backtrack it to the Elite Eight, like what's what's that game look like? That matchup, and why you see whichever team you pick winning. Sure. So I'll actually go. Um, I'll actually break down each Elite Eight matchup for you. And the first Perfect. one I have yeah, in the West is I have a one-two Gonzaga and Duke. And the reason why I have Duke going this far is that this is Coach K's last ride. Yes, mm-hmm. Coach K's team has played poorly in, I guess, elimination-like games with the exception of the first two games of the ACC tournament. But I have a feeling that this team is going to ride on Coach K's shoulders, and that's going to go all the way to the Elite Eight. That said, Duke beat Gonzaga in the regular season. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. I think Gonzaga has the heart to go all the way, possibly, and they beat Duke by 10-plus in that Elite Eight game to advance to the Final Four. Your West representative is Gonzaga. In the East, I do not have chalk. I actually have UCLA and Johnny Jutsang and Tiger Campbell beating Baylor, the the reigning national champions, against Kentucky and Oscar Shibwe. Um, as I put in the column that's going to come out, Oscar Shibwe has as many points as he does rebounds. It's 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 a crazy statistic, and if he can if he can shut down one of Jutsang or Tiger Campbell, I think Kentucky is going to go to the Final Four, and they may do it in in style with on the back of Oscar Shibwe. Uh, in the South, you have Arizona and Tennessee. A lot of people are high on Arizona. Arizona is just that team where. Everybody's high on, but I, I almost don't understand why, and I'm sure you'll be able to fill me in once I'm done with the Final Four. But nonetheless, Tennessee's defense is stellar. They showed it against Texas A&M in the SEC title game. Yes, A&M was a Cinderella bubble team that didn't make it, but still, it's the SEC title game. Tennessee has not won the SEC tournament title since the 80s, correct me if I'm wrong. That defense is stellar, and that defense will lead them to the Final Four. In the last one, in the Midwest, you have Kansas and Auburn. Walker Kessler perhaps could have been the SEC Player of the Year if one Oscar Shibwe did not exist in the Southeastern Conference. Walker Kessler plays about as good of a defense as Tennessee does as a whole. They they get by Jacksonville State, USC, Wisconsin, and Kansas to make the Final Four. You may have to kick me to the Southeast for this tournament, but I have three SEC teams making the Final Four. Gonzaga, of course, in the WCC, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we actually have pretty similar picks right here. Uh, this is this is fun. I like it. So <laughs> for, the, for the West, I'm with you as far as Gonzaga, being you know one of the top teams, this Gonzaga and Arizona seem like they're the two most popular picks to, to 
cut down the nets. Yeah. And uh, I could definitely see how, how that would be. So uh, I got him playing Alabama. I picked Michigan State to, to beat Duke just okay. because I'm not a Duke fan. And I think it would be so sweet if Tom Izzo ended Coach K's career. So that was basically the only reason why, why I picked it, because <laughs> it would be a big upset, let's be honest. Sure. Alabama, I like their style. I like their play. Uh, they have guard-heavy teams. I think that, that suits them well. Jaden Shackelford uh, is quite a force of that Alabama team. I can see I can see them uh, making it to the Elite Eight, but not enough to beat Gonzaga. So I got Gonzaga sure. out of the West. I have Baylor in Kentucky. I like the UCLA pick. Yeah, they they can get hot. They they have a lot of experience coming back. Um, Bay, Baylor's tough. I mean, and they still I know they graduated some great defenders, but they're still tough. They still uh, defend. They still there's there's still there's a reason they're number one seed. Right? There's a reason right. they've had they've had another great year. And uh, as you mentioned with Kentucky and Sheway, and also I feel like it's just time. Like, has it been a little while since Kentucky's made a really deep run? I feel like it has. And so I got Kentucky going all the way to, to the final four, the same, same as you do. Tons of talent, great interior defense and rebounding. And I think that can put them over the edge, even against a team like a Baylor or as you had a UCLA. We go up to the South region Arizona and Tennessee, I got them squaring off in the Elite Eight. Arizona is a really popular pick, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Arizona this year. I've just okay. heard about them, the talent that they have, their West Coast. I'm I'm sleeping. I'm in bed, right? I, I, I go to bed early. I get up early. That's kind of my thing. So, But Tennessee is tough, and they are playing well at the right time. And um, Sunrise Academy had a, a couple – really high profile guards. One is plant is Jaden Akins is a freshman from Michigan state. And uh, one, I want to say Walker, I'm forgetting his name, but he's playing a lot as a freshman for Tennessee. And they just got a real well-rounded team that's playing their best basketball at the right time. And so I got them going to the final four out of the South region. And then I got Kansas and Auburn playing each other in the Midwest. And I think Adebayeji, is one of the best players in the country. When I see him play for, for Kansas, I'm like, that's an NBA impact type player. He has the length, he has the versatility. I mean, he's averaging like 19 points, close to 20 points a game. He's averaging like 18 rebounds. Let, let me see. Ochi Abaji, he's averaging, um, let me look it up real here. Yeah, just yeah. under 20 points a game, five boards, almost 50% from the field almost 80% from the line, 40% from three. He, he can defend on one end. He can create nothing out of something on the offensive end with his pull-up, his finishing, his handle. He can get up over top and finish. And they also have a, a very deep team. I mean, they got four guys on that team that are double figures or more. I think Brown on that team is an underrated, not only offensive player, but defensive player. And so you can probably get a feel for who I'm picking to, to win it all. Uh, by this conversation a little bit with kind of how I feel about Kansas. But I just think that they have a really well-rounded team, top-tier athletes and athleticism. And similar to what I mentioned about Kentucky, I also feel like it's kind of their turn. Like you get a high ranking, you knock on the door enough times, at some point uh, you're going to get that chance to, to get back to the Final Four and beyond. So uh, to, to round it out, I have Kansas, Kentucky, Gonzaga, in Tennessee, so that's two ones, 
one, two, and a three seed making it to the final four. Alrighty, so his final four is Gonzaga versus Kentucky and Tennessee versus Kansas. Mine is Gonzaga versus Kentucky and Tennessee versus Auburn. So of those teams, who makes the national title game? I can kind of tell who, but uh, go ahead and reveal it to us. Yeah, I've been I've been hitting at it, but I got uh, I have Gonzaga beating Tennessee. Yeah, you know, I think Tennessee is a really great opponent, but I think some of Kansas' size will wear them down a little bit, uh, and I think some of their overall, you know, top end offensive capabilities are, are what's going to separate them from from being there. And you know, Kansas is just a little more of the usual suspects as far as being able to make 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 a deep run. I think that that does help. Uh, and then Gonzaga on the other side of of the bracket. They bring back experience. Yes, they graduated Suggs, who I think was the big loss, but the fact that they gained something that I felt like they were missing last year, like they Suggs left, Kispert left. Those were really good players, right? Yeah. But they have shot blocking this year that they didn't have before, right? You got a seven-footer back there with like a seven, eight-foot, nine-foot, 20-foot wingspan that looks like you got a pterodactyl back there. Right. And he's he's blocking shots, versatile enough to handle the basketball and do some different things. And I, I think that's something that they've been lacking in recent years was a true, true rim protector. And so I think that puts them over the edge, even against a physical tough team like Kentucky, uh, combined with their overall scheme and offensive concepts. That's going to make them uh, punch their ticket to the national title game. So I got Gonzaga over Kentucky as well, despite Kentucky having one of their older lineups uh, that we've seen yeah. in the John Calipari era. Uh, the Gonzaga is just a little bit too much for Kentucky and Shibway. Uh, Tennessee and Auburn. Tennessee beat Auburn in the first game against each other in the uh, SEC, not in the tournament, but in the regular season. So it's hard to beat a team twice in the same year. So I've got Walker Kessler and Auburn going to the national title game. Uh, with that said, our national title game, you have Gonzaga over Tennessee. I have Gonzaga over Auburn. Um, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, this is Gonzaga's year. I think we both we both think that. They've knocked on the door now uh, twice in 2017 and once, of course, last season. And uh, they're going to knock on the door again. It's when do they bust through it. And honestly, mm -hmm. uh, this could be crazy of me to predict. But if they bust through that door... They will have the best chance that we have seen since the streak happened of dethroning UCLA's 88-game-in-a-row streak. And the reason is their conference, the WCC, yes, it got three teams in, but overall, compared to the Power Five conferences, it's weak. Depending right. on what their non-conference schedule is, all they have to do is run through two seasons' worth of basketball unscathed and because of their conference they have the power to do it in my opinion mm -hmm. so i think this is the best chance we will see in a long long time of any team having a chance at breaking ucla streak just my opinion no it's going to be interesting and chat holmgren i'm sorry i f f forgot yeah. his name for a second there i just i think that he's a such a unique player in, in college basketball and uh as you mentioned i, I agree 100 there's some good good teams in the WCC, you know, St. Mary's is always tough, but yeah. 
with the talent that they have, the program that they have, you're right. They could run a streak together and it wouldn't surprise me, surprise me one bet. Um, so to see, to see Gonzaga and Kansas for me in the national title game and see Gonzaga win it. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd probably be even happier if they won. Like it would be for me, I'd love to see Gonzaga uh, cut down the nets for some reason. I, I can't quite put a finger on it. I feel like this is Kansas's year. I don't know. Yeah, and Kansas rolled through the Big 12 pretty well this season. It pretty much felt like any other any other Bill Self Kansas year where on Big Monday, if you're not a Kansas fan like yours truly, you're turning the television off at halftime because they're up by 20. And with the last 20 seconds, you're in rock, chalk, Jayhawk, KU. And, of course, if you're me, you're like, oh, God, again, yeah, Bill yeah. Self. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Kansas is just the team. And yeah. they they could beat Auburn. They could lose to South or San Diego State too. Who knows with this NCAA tournament? But you've got Gonzaga over Kansas. I have Gonzaga over. I have Kansas over, over Gonzaga. You have Kansas beating Gonzaga. That's yeah, news. Yeah. I uh, yeah, yeah. that is news to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the last time I picked Kansas to win the national title was in 2013, and we all remember what happened in 2013. It was a good thing. Trey Burke. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. 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 In yep, the Sweet yep. Sixteen, I was so what a conflicted. That was. Yeah, I was so conflicted when that shot happened because I'm like, yes, go blue. Wait, my bracket. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a Kansas fan. I I, I prefer them to to lose usually. So this is purely uh, just a, a hunch, kind of basketball watching enough Kansas throughout the course of the year. It just seems like they have the pieces uh, to to do everything they need to do to to win it all. Sure. So he's got Kansas over Gonzaga, and I have Gonzaga over Auburn. So we've pretty much gone through this bracket and have picked our national title uh, team. So um, I guess uh, anything else you have to add about the bracket or about um, whatever you may think? Well, final score. What's your final score to the championship Yes. Final score, I have Gonzaga 65, or 75, Gonzaga 75, Auburn 67. A total of 142 if you're looking at over-under when the time comes. So I'm close. I got 146 uh, total, and I got Kansas winning 76 to uh, 70. And, um, you know, I see it being a, a close game that could go back and forth. A couple buckets here or there. Could be the could be the difference but um you know to go back i just as you're watching these games right and you're enjoying these games and the upsets and all that stuff it's for me it's so fun to see the the guard play of a lot of these smaller mid-major schools and the experience at, at those lower levels that often they're not on tv all the time they don't get all the shine and, and all the credit that some of these power five schools who are more in the media uh, much more often, but to see how good those players are and how so many of them, especially now you're seeing with the transfer portal, so many of those mid-major players, I mean, it's just, they're just as good. I mean, you, you can move them around into a, a power five school or a mid-major school and they're they're going to do their thing and, and have success. And that's one of the reasons that I love the NCAA tournament so much is to see all these unique matchups throughout the course of the year, 
see how there's more than one way to do a good job, whether a, a coach is running the zone, a man, a forced baseline, a pack line, a full court press. There's more than one way to, to do the right thing. Uh, you combine that with the unique storylines of uh, Gonzaga, of uh, Coach K, of all these different things. And it's just, it's the best time of year, man. I'm fired up. March Madness is coming back in a more normal format because in mm-hmm. 2020, we we still talk about it to this day, what could have happened in the 2020 NCAA tournament. OB Toppin and Dayton would have perhaps been a one seed. Michigan, I believe, was on the bubble line in that tournament. So was Indiana. Michigan State could have made a run in that tournament. But unfortunately, we will never know because COVID shut it down and the NCAA said, nope, we're not going to do any theoretical brackets or nothing like that. COVID's here. So we'll never know anything about that. 2021, the bubble was all in the state of Indiana. Unique, interesting, but not quite what we're used to seeing in the NCAA tournament. This year, we're just going back to where how it should be. Sites all around the country and just about everybody getting a chance to enjoy this NCAA tournament. And uh, yours truly, like I said, we'll have the laptop on one side of me, watching the Michigan <laughs> game on the other side. I will be enjoying these next four days of straight hoops and fun and all that good stuff. So with that all said, um, anything else you have to add? I, one, I appreciate you taking the time to, to have me on the show. I, I you know, like everything that you're doing, everything you have going on, especially in the, the thumb area. Uh, it's good to have a, a person and a personality like like you in the area pushing pushing for kids is something that we need. And, and I know the kids appreciate it. Uh, if anybody needs anything from, from me, uh, I'm a basketball guy. Like my favorite sports are high school basketball, college basketball, you know, international basketball, NBA basketball, youth basketball. You know, somebody else's favorite sports are like basketball, baseball, football, soccer, softball, whatever. I'm basketball. It's just di- different tiers. So I, that's what I kind of breathe in and out each day. And uh, if there's anything I can do for a player or a coach or a parent need any help, you can reach out to me. It's it's contact at kermerbasketball.com. I'll send you some of my links. Maybe you can put them in the description. Uh, if anybody needs to reach out to me and, and find me on social media, you can do that as well. But uh, thanks again for having me on the show. And uh, I'm curious to see how bad my bracket is uh, by tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> I will tell you that my column's title when it comes out is Green's Bracket is Sure to Impress the Trash Can. <laughs> Yes, yes, you throw mine in that bucket too. (laughs) We'll see what happens. He is Steve Kramer, and this is the Tom Green Podcast.